we're in a series of sermons that is from Hebrews chapter 11, and we're just going verse by verse through Hebrews chapter 11. I don't think I'm going to make it through the whole chapter because in Christmas we got to kind of get Christmassy with our messages and all that kind of stuff, but uh, we'll make it through the majority of the chapter. And uh, this chapter is called the Hall of Fame of Faith because it, it lists lots of people's faith. And I never liked that title because uh, it puts the emphasis on the person. Uh, the emphasis of the title is on faith and what, excuse me, the emphasis of the chapter is on faith and what faith does. And it just so happens that it says by faith then it has a name of a biblical character. And then it shows how they exercise faith in their life. And so what the chapter tries to, is screaming at us all the way through is that faith works. Is that faith works. Faith works out in your life. Uh, faith uh, uh, spawns action in your life. Faith is just not something that you have and it doesn't show up in any other area of your life. Faith works. There is uh, uh, a battle in Scripture sometimes between faith and works. But the truth of the matter is, faith works. If you have faith, it will work out in your life. And, and James and other people tell, tell us that. And that's what the, uh, Hebrews chapter 11 is telling us. It says, by faith, Abel offered a better sacrifice. And then it says, by faith, Noah built an ark. And so you have, you have the little phrase, by faith, then you have a biblical character, and then you have a verb because faith is action. Faith is a verb. By faith, Mark, verb. By faith, Dean, verb. By faith, Karen, then a verb. And so before we ever go into it verse by verse, it's just evident what, the, what Hebrews 11 is screaming at us is that faith works out in your life some way. Faith is just not something that you, that you just have and it doesn't show up in your life. I use this example every, every single time, especially in the fall, because I think it's the best example. You may say you're a high, high Buckeye fan, and I say, well, do you go to the games? No. Do you watch them on TV? No. Do you read about it in the paper? No. Do you look at it on the Internet? No. So you laugh. Well, I'm a Christian. Will you go to church? No. Well... You, do you know nobody's laughing now the, the, the analogies are exactly the same and so we come to the 8th chapter of Hebrews chapter 11 and we get to the father of the faithful and the, the verse says by faith Abraham by faith Abraham when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance and here are the two verbs obeyed and went by faith Abraham obeyed and went when called to go to a place he would later receive as it is inheritance that shows up in Genesis chapter 12 some of you that know your Bibles well know that God called Abraham all of us that have received some kind of call that that idea of that call started in Genesis chapter 12 with God's call for Abraham and God called Abraham to leave his family and go to a place. Well, what place? God says, I'll show you when you get there. And so we're not holding up Abraham. 
we're saying this is what faith does. Faith responds to the call of God upon your life. And you say, well, God has never called me to anything. Well, as I read this Bible, he's called us all to a whole lot of stuff. Faith is a verb. It's an action. Faith works. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he didn't know where he was going. I don't know about you. I like to know where I'm going. I like to know where I'm going. My wife, you know, my wife doesn't trust me a bit because every time we leave, she wants to know where we're going. I said, I got it under control. She wants to know. Abraham didn't know where he was going. I'll show you when you get there. Just leave and I'll guide you and show you where you are. Now, this was an unbelievable thing because Abraham was an idol worshiper. Abraham did not have any, any understanding of the one true God at all. Now, we know that from Joshua chapter 24. Because in Joshua chapter 24, Joshua tells us, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says long ago your ancestors, which included Terah, who was the father of Abraham and his brother Nahor, they lived beyond the Euphrates River and they worshipped other gods. Abraham was an idol worshiper. He had no, absolutely no understanding of the one true God. His only understanding of religion was his little statues that all had names. Can't you imagine Abraham going to his father Terah and his brother Nahor and says, uh, God has called me to leave and go to another place. Well, which God are you talking about there, Abraham? What's his name? Now, the Bible doesn't tell us that conversation happened, but it's easy to assume that happened. And, and in every single movie I've ever watched about Abraham, they depict that. That when Abraham goes back to his family, his family is aghast. That this unknown God, one scene in one movie I saw, uh, Abraham's father opened up like what well, was like a big closet and he said, Here, look, we got lots of gods. Choose one of them. Can't even imagine how that would have been for Abraham. He was an idol worshiper. He was a pagan. He was a polytheist. Poly means many. Theos means God. He worshiped many gods. Now that tells me something. God called an idol worshiper. And do you know Abraham, all Christians trace their roots back to Abraham? Do you know that all Jews trace their roots back to Abraham? Do you know that all Muslims trace their roots back to Abraham? God took an idol worshiper and made him the father of the faithful. Let me tell you something. Don't put God in a box. Don't put God in a box. And say, well, God can only work this way. Let me tell you, I think he, he if I can say this reverently, he, he gets tickled to blow your box wide open. He called an idol worshiper to be the father of the faithful. We would have no New Testament theology if it was not for Abraham. 
Paul would not be able to describe faith and how you're justified through faith alone if it was not with the illustration of Abraham. Abraham in Genesis 15, 6, the Bible says, Abram believed God and God counted it as righteousness. Now that verse is crucial. There is no New Testament theology without that verse. What did he believe? He believed God's call. And God took that belief and counted it as righteousness. Now there is no New Testament theology for at least for the Apostle Paul and all the other New Testament writers without the person of Abraham. And he was a pagan. He was an idol worshiper. Don't put God in a box. Don't put God in the box. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 20 says, Now to God who is able to do immeasurably more than we ever ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. God can do more than I ever could ask or even imagine him doing inside of my little box that, that I put him in. <laughs> the father of the faithful was an idol worship. And God knew something about Abraham he knew something about his person that he knew Abraham would respond. I, I, I don't understand all of that, and there's a lot of mystery in all that, but God knew that Abraham would respond, and he calls Abraham to go to land that I will show you, and I will give you this land as an inheritance. And Abraham believed that, and God counted it as righteousness. And because of that, we have the book of Romans. We would not have the book of Romans that explains New Testament theology, that explains justification by faith, if not for Abraham. He was an idol worshiper. Don't put God in a box. This also tells me something else. And this is not really what I want to say today. This is just the introduction, okay? But this is really important. I couldn't skip this. No matter who you are, you can exercise faith in God. No matter who you are, Abraham, what, his name was Abram at that time. Abram was a pagan. He was an idol worshiper. No matter who you are, you can show faith in God. Well, I, I wasn't raised in a Christian family. And, and, and no matter who you are, no matter who you are, no matter what sin you're involved in right now, no matter how bad your life is right now, you can exercise faith in God. Abraham did. Abraham did. Do you remember the story of Saul in the book of Acts? Acts chapter 8, verse 3. The Bible tells us that Saul went from, began to destroy the churches, and the churches meant house. So he went from house to house, and he dragged off Christians and put them in prison. And he was a Pharisee of Pharisee by his own testimony. He thought he was doing the work of God. So this new cult that started called Christianity, he thought it was his duty to go from house to house and put these Christians in prison. Now, who did Saul become? Let me hear you, church. Paul. The, the Apostle Paul, the man that opened up the whole Western world to Christianity, was killing Christians and putting them and torturing them, persecuting them, putting them in prison. You talk about blowing somebody's box back in the first century. Anybody can exercise faith in God. 
Acts chapter 9, verse 1 tells us a little bit about, more about Saul before he became Paul. Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's people. The Bible says when Stephen was stoned, what does the Bible say? He was holding the coats of the people that were throwing the stones. I don't care where you are, friends. I don't care what sin you're involved in. I don't care how messed up your life is. I don't care how messed up your, your marriage is. I don't care how far the, your kids are out in a far country. You can exercise faith in God. You can exercise faith in God. Abraham did. Abraham did. Paul got struck off of his horse on the way to Damascus Road. Your kids are way out there, aren't they? Some of your kids are just way out there. They'll never be too far out that they can't exercise faith in God. Keep talking to them. Keep living the life in front of them. Don't ever give up on them. You don't know the plan that God may have for them. And you don't know the change of heart that they could have one day. August 29th, 1993, he found some nut named Mark Atherton, Calvary Baptist Church in Georgetown, Illinois. You could not even imagine. I wouldn't even, I, I've told you this, but none of you imagine how, what a sinful life I led. And I would not desecrate this pulpit by even telling you a, a tenth of it. Anyone can exercise faith in God. Now we go back to our anchor verse, which is 8th verse of, of the 11th chapter of Hebrews. And again, it says, By faith, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, Abraham obeyed and went, even though he did not have any clue where he was going. Now that tells me something. And this is the main deal I want to share with you today. By faith, Abraham obeyed. Where there is faith, there will be obedience. Where there is faith, there will be obedience. Because faith works. Now, faith and obedience is not the same thing. Faith is faith and obedience is obedience. They're two different things. But listen, friends, where there is faith, there will be obedience it's not a perfect pattern of obedience we have no exhibitions in this bible of any human being that had perfect patterns of obedience but the direction of their life was toward god and when they got out of god's way they quickly confessed it they repented of it and they got back on the road again where there is faith there is obedience faith and obedience aren't the same thing they're two different things. If they're the same thing, then I would be justified by how, by how I obey. I would be justified by, by the good things I do. They're different, but one spawns the other biblically. Well, how does that happen, Mark? I don't really know. I bet you a dollar the Holy Spirit has something to do with it. Faith is faith. We're justified by faith. 
They're not the same thing. If they're the same thing, you could say we're justified by obedience because faith and obedience are the same thing. No, faith is faith and obedience is obedience. But one spawns the other. You cannot read this book without coming to that conclusion. Now, you can look at your friends and your kids and say, well, they're Christians even though they're living with their boyfriend. Oh, they're Christians even though da-da-da-da-da-da. Well, Mark, you just said that you don't have to be perfect, and there's an imperfect pattern of obedience. Yes, but what's the pattern of their life? Have they been living with their boyfriend for two years now? What's the pattern of their life? Have have there not been any Christian evidence and Christian fruit in their life? We're not not talking about about slipping into momentary sin and confessing it and repenting it and getting on with your Christian life. We're talking about a a pattern in their life, which is the pattern is not going toward God. Their pattern is going toward sin. Jesus plainly said, by their fruits, you will know them. Now listen, he didn't say, Mark, I've called you to be a fruit inspector. He didn't say that. There's only one one fruit that I'm called to inspect, and that's my own. And he says, Mark, you inspect your own fruit, because your fruit will determine if you really have biblical faith or not. You're not called to judge anybody else's fruit. But Jesus plainly says, come on, man. I mean... This is not brain surgery. By your fruit, you will know them. By their fruit, you will know them. Well, I, I remember when he knelt at an altar at 12 years old. Well, whoop de doo I knelt at an altar at 12 years old, and I could embarrass every one of you telling the sin that was in my life before I finally got serious with God at the age of 34. What does kneeling at an altar have to do with it? It's a heart thing. I could kneel at an altar. I knelt at an altar just because my dad wanted me to kneel at an altar. It's a heart thing. I've known people that have become a Christian just to get their wives back. As soon as they got their wives back, they flew the coop. Because they got what they wanted out of their little God stuff. Where there is faith... There will be obedience, not a perfect pattern of obedience, but it will be the direction of their life. James must have been having a lot of trouble with this issue in, 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 in the church that he was in or the church that he was in tr- trouble in charge of because he, he says in 2.14 of his book, He says, what good is it, my brothers and sisters, if some claim to have faith but have no deeds, have no works, have nothing to show for it? Can such faith save them? Well, he was raised in a Christian home. We taught him right. Well, glory to God, I'm so thankful that you did. But he's got to come to it himself. And if he comes to it himself... Faith spawns obedience. Faith spawns good works. Faith spawns deeds. They're not two di- they're, they're, they're two different things. Faith is not good works. They're not the same. Faith is faith and obedience is obedience. But one always biblically spawns the other. Grows out of the other. 
A.W. Tozier is a hero of mine, and pastor in the Christian Missionary Alliance Church way back in the mid-1900s. I like this. The Bible recognizes no faith that does not lead to obedience, nor does not recognize any obedience that does not spring from faith. You don't get any better than that right there. Well, he's obeying. He's coming to church every week, and he's giving his tithe, and he's even volunteered to teach Sunday school. If it doesn't spring from faith, if it doesn't spring from faith, it's not a biblical thing. It's just, it's just somebody trying to be churchy and clean up their life a little bit. That's, that's a good quote, friends. The Bible recognizes no faith that does not lead to obedience, nor does it recognize any obedience that does not flow that does not spring from faith that's really good now faith is faith and obedience is obedience they're not the same thing one leads to the other john 3 36 jesus plainly says whoever believes in the son has eternal life whoever believes Whoever has faith in the Son has eternal life. Faith is faith. Obedience is obedience. Don't think they're the same thing. But one spawns the other, biblically. Biblically. We learned that from Abraham's story. By faith. Abraham obeyed. And that's what I've been saying. Where there's faith, there is obedience. But faith is faith and obedience is obedience. If faith and obedience are the same thing, then you'd have to say, well, we're justified by obedience because faith and obedience are the same thing. No, we're justified by faith, by belief, by trust. On Christ, the solid rock I stand. All other ground is is sinking sand. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. This is the gospel, friends. This is the gospel. Paul writes in Romans 3.28, he couldn't have written this without the person of Abraham. Paul writes in 3.28, he says, we maintain that a person is justified by faith apart from the works of the law. A person is justified by faith apart from the thou shalt's and the thou shalt not's. Now, Paul couldn't have written that without the example of Abraham. And, and, and Romans 3 and Romans 4 are about the person of Abraham. And he goes back to Abraham's story to describe New Testament faith in the book of Romans. No New Testament theology without Abraham. None. You take Genesis 15, 6, Abraham believed God and God counted as righteousness. You take that verse out of the Old Testament, you have no New Testament theology. Now listen, I've told you this a hundred times. It does not say Abraham believed in God. Believing in God and believing God are two diametrically different things. 90% of the people in the world believe in God. But the people who believe him trust him and take him at his word Abraham believed God 
when God says, I'm going to give you a son in your old age. Isn't it fascinating? The promise was of a son that he had to believe, and our promise that we need to believe is of a son as well. Isn't that fascinating? The, more, the, the older I get and the more I learn about Scripture, the more this whole thing ties together. Romans chapter 5, verse 1. Paul's just got through Romans 4. He's been talking about Abraham. Now it comes to Romans 5, verse 1. It says, therefore, I've just talked about Abraham now for a whole chapter. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. You tell me, anyone that attempts to be justified by the good things they do, how in the world can they have any peace in their life? Because how do they ever know if they've done enough good things how could you ever have peace how could you ever have assurance how can you ever come in here and hold your hands uh, up and praise God Almighty if you're saying well I'm just working a little bit harder today than I worked yesterday how would you ever have any assurance of salvation how could you ever lay on your deathbed like my grandfather did and raise his little feeble hand and say, all is forgiven? Well, I've done the best I can. I taught Sunday school for 32 years. I sit in that same pew for 40 straight Sundays years now what that's ridiculous my little papaw literally an hour before his death and his hand was so feeble he, and this is right after my dad leaned down to him and said mr collins dad called him mr to the day that mr collins is everything okay between you and the lord all is forgiven papaw understood the gospel <laughs> I'm not sure my mama ever did, to be quite honest with you. But Papa did. I hope she did. This is an anonymous quote I have to give you here, but it's so good. I, I, I couldn't find who, who, who I should attribute this quote to, but I've had it for a while, and I decided to use it. All of my spiritual misery has been that I sought in the law, which is only found in the gospel, and for in myself, which can only be found in Christ. My man, that is a mouthful. Give me just a second to, to parse that out for you. All of my misery, and, and, and probably it should say spiritual misery, because we, we all go through a lot of misery that, that has nothing to do with spiritual things. But all of my spiritual misery has been that I sought in the law, the thou shalt and the thou shalt not, the trying to be good enough, what I should have sought for in the gospel. So I was trying to be good enough, I was trying to obey enough, I was trying to do enough good things, enough thou shalt, thou shalt and enough thou shalt not. I was trying to find in the law what Jesus has 
given to us in the gospel. Do you know, when you know you can't be good enough, when you know there's not enough good things that you can do to somehow be justified before a holy God, you'll run to the gospel. That's why before we have to understand that Jesus gave his son, we've got to understand that I'm a sinner and the only thing I earn from my sin is death and there's nothing I can do about that. That's bad news. And if we understand the bad news, we'll run to the good news. But you know, the thing is, a whole lot of folks think they can be good enough. They haven't grasped the bad news yet. That there is no one shall be justified apart from the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and are justified freely, freely through grace in the Lord Jesus Christ. You, you, you know, when, when you went to buy, you know, remember when you went to buy your engagement ring that you're going to give to your girl or you went, maybe went together and they showed you that diamond, they brought that diamond out on black velvet because that diamond shines on the dark, dark black velvet. And the diamond of the gospel shines on the darkness of your sin. The darkness that you can't be good enough. This is hard for some of you because you, you have been taught just to try harder and do the best you can. And the gospel is just the opposite. Receive Jesus Christ and watch what he'll do in your life. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, and the new has come. Faith is faith, and obedience is obedience. They're not the same thing, but faith spawns obedience. Where there is faith, there will be obedience for the third time. Not perfect obedience, but it will be the pattern and direction of your life. And when you get off course a little bit, you repent, and you get back on target. You get off course a little bit, you repent, and you get back on target. And the direction of your life is the same. One of my favorite verses of Scripture is Galatians chapter 2, verse 21. And Paul says, I, I do not set aside the grace of God. Now, the Apostle Paul probably talks more about the life us Christians should live more than any other writer in the Bible. He probably, he talks more and he says, now that you are Christian, this is what, how you should live. Now that you are Christian, this is how you should live. It's over and over through all of Paul's letters. But Paul says, I do not set aside the grace of God. For if righteousness could be gained through the law, why in the world did Jesus die? If you can be good enough, why in the world did Jesus die? Well, you know, it's, it's just that, you know, I need a little help. So the, God, the cross gets me a little help. I do the best I can, and the cross and me, we, we, work it all, some, we work it out somehow. Well, blasphemy. 
I've, I've come this morning to say that by faith, Abraham obeyed. Faith is faith and obedience is obedience. But faith, biblically, will always lead to obedience. Faith works. Someone said this, and I don't have the person to quote. It might have been, it might have been John MacArthur. I, I, no, it probably was. I don't know. Faith alone saves. Listen to this. Faith alone saves, but the faith that saves is not alone. You with me? Faith alone saves, but the faith that saves is not alone. What's that, what does that mean, Mark? It means what I've been trying to tell you for 40 minutes. Faith spawns obedience. Biblically. Biblically. You can invent your own gospel if you want to. You can invent your own gospel. But the only gospel that you pay me to preach you is right here. And this book says that faith spawns obedience. Biblical faith. And maybe Jesus had that in mind when he says, hey, come on, man, it's not brain surgery here. By their fruits, you will know them. And that's one of the reasons that we serve communion every single Sunday. You know, there's not too many Nazarene churches that do that. And it doesn't make us any better than anybody else. But see, I think it's, it's good to always re, re, be reminded where our hope is. I think it's good to always be reminded that no matter what kind of message that I've preached, that the main deal here is faith and trust in what Jesus did on the cross. It's the cornerstone, the Bible says. It's the foundation. Now, there's a house that's built on that foundation, but this is the foundation. And if you don't have the, if you don't have the foundation right, your house will crumble. There's a whole bunch the Bible says about the house you build on that foundation. But the foundation is faith and trust in what is represented by the wafer in the cup. That's the main thing. And we try to focus on that every single week. I've tried to t tell you that faith leads to obedience. I didn't tell you that obedience leads to faith. The first thing is first. Faith. And if you really have it, if it's really happened, if you've really been born again. What does that mean, Mark? I don't, I don't really know, but it happened to me on August 29th, 1993. It's a mystery. And again, the Holy Spirit has something to do with it. Our servers are coming to the table. And you'll choose this morning whether you want to come forward to receive or receive right there in your pews. You may want to come and pray. You may, you may, you may have never understood the gospel before this morning. And, and you may want to come in, in just an act of submission, kneel and tell God, I, I, I just, 
I'm not any longer depending on my own works or my own righteousness. I'm bending my knee to the gospel you have provided. The world tells us it's the gospel of our own good works and we get nothing in this life unless we pull ourselves up by bootstraps. That's what the world teaches us. In the world, that's true, but the gospel is upside down. And I don't know, you may want to come and pray and just remind yourself that this ain't about me. This is about Jesus working in me. Father, I've done my best empowered by your grace and your Holy Spirit to just lay the simple gospel out there. And I pray for anyone under the sound of my voice, whether they're in this sanctuary or they're listening on the internet, I pray that if they have never claimed the gospel as their own, that they would drop their own self-righteousness and claim the only righteousness that there is, the righteousness that comes by faith in Jesus Christ. We pray all these things in his name. Amen and amen.